does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, there we go. We got it. Come on, last day. It's a Friday. Let's get through it. We got you until 10 o'clock here on the Wake Up Call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Uh, we have Devin out here. Never met him before. We were talking Slayer earlier before we came on the air. So I'm sure Kevin Bowen's uh, excited that he missed uh, such a riveting conversation. But uh, last day for us here at the NFL Combine. We're still basking in the glow of our conversation. You'll hear that again with Chris Ballard coming up at 730. You know what's funny? KB, I have all these notes, and I'm watching the defensive lineman last night because that's what I did. That's exactly that's a hell where, of a Thursday that's night. That's exactly where my Thursday Pray for Nikki Sweeney uh, on night that. is. She was very, very excited about that. But the biggest news is in women's basketball locally here uh, in Indianapolis, as Caitlin Clark says. I'm off to the WNBA, and 30 seconds later, the Fever put up, hey, you guys want to buy some season tickets? Uh, Welcome in. Good morning to you, KB. How are you, my friend? Good morning. Yeah, happy to be out here closing out the week at the NFL Combine. Again, a big day. Uh, Quarterbacks and wideouts going to meet the media, so it'll be a heavy contingent inside of the convention center here coming up in about an hour where things will really pick up, as you said. Chris Ballard will re-rack that coming up here at the bottom of the hour, and certainly the Caitlin Clark news, and you know, there's an element, I guess, Andy, of everyone's life. You're kind of products of the environment, products of the environment you grew up in, products of the environment of, like, the experiences you had growing up. I was very fortunate. Uh, Reggie Miller and Peyton Manning growing up in your own market. That's uh, Those are pretty two darn good role models and a pretty entertaining athletes for someone like myself. And, you know, I probably speak for a decent amount of our listening audience to have experienced. And, you know, I hate to get super sentimental at 7.05 in the morning, but like I said to my wife last night, like, this is awesome for Rosie, that Rosie gets to like grow up in Indy and, you know, potentially you're going to have uh, Caitlin Clark here for, and honestly, I shouldn't overlook Leah Boston at all, but you're going to have, you know, those two, you know, running your franchise for the next X amount of years. Like what an unbelievable opportunity it is and just a great experience for, in particular, young girls to have that in this market in in a time where you just don't, you know, that's not as accessible as other sports or other male athletes. It's a lot easier for a kid in Indy to watch Steph Curry versus watching, you know, whatever, a WNBA player that's a star in a different market. So um, that, that angle to it, that aspect to it, I love. It was kind of funny. As soon as the announcement happened, I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, Caitlin Clark officially declared for the WNBA. She's going to be uh, she's going to be a member of, of the Fever. She goes, oh, I already know. Uh, one of her good friends who played college basketball has already invited all of us over for a WNBA draft party. Oh, my goodness. Daughters, there you go. Daughters invited. Hey, good for you. And I'm like, that is awesome. That is that is. Wait, really, so she really had some cool. scoopage and you could have actually broke the story? No, no, no. What this if was, you, this oh. was right after oh, okay. the announcement happened. But what if you break the story and it's like you scooped Caitlin Clark. Okay. She was going to post that. What time did she post that? Like 4 o'clock yesterday? Say, it seemed like it was just Early before about Maybe. five o'clock, yeah. and you didn't get any woge bombs or anything like that. Just a simple uh, post, and it makes sense she would announce it ahead of well, they, know, their senior days were, coming up they on were starting Sunday. To, they were starting to chant one more year. That and you don't want to have to answer those questions throughout sure. the tournament sure. run for Iowa. 
and all of that. I do want to make sure we mention this, and I know we had Aaliyah Boston on the morning after she got drafted, number one overall. She's the only guest in the history of our morning show to go on Good Morning America and the Wake Up Call oh, wow. in the same show. Um, because I feel like we lose sight, and we've done a poor job of it, so my hand is raised. Aaliyah Boston is unfreaking believable at basketball, and I don't think people realize that. Again, we've done a poor job of it. I was texting a couple of people with the fever yesterday. I'm like, all right, off the record, can you give me like an Aaliyah Boston NBA comp? Because I think okay. that would help us kind of resonate with the audience. And one person was like, I'm glad you asked that. She's better than Caitlin Clark. And the other person was like, she's Tim Duncan. Oh, just okay. Just, the, the, those are okay. I did not expect you to say that. And, the Tim and, Duncan, okay. And I'm just bringing this up to be like, they've already got a really damn right. good player there, and she's a great post player and all of that. And you couple her with Caitlin Clark, and it's like wowzer. Imagine the next decade right, with those I, two. I got one for you on this going together. So when when this uh, when this happened, you know your timelines filled with this sort of stuff, right? Sure. Uh, your your algorithm on Twitter takes over. And you know the you know the shot they did on one of the early championship runs of Shaq and Kobe, where and this is where Kobe's still wearing number eight, I believe. That's what he wore early on in his career, where the camera's on the floor and it just pans up, and it's those two standing with their hands behind their back sure. for oh, the yeah. national anthem. If you see it on Twitter, that is like one of the main Shaq and Kobe things. That's what they were doing with with uh, with Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston. That's what I mean. That's the type of well, remember I, I don't we know. had um, Ex- expectation, I guess. Who was the coach? Remember we had the guy on the pop quiz a couple weeks ago, coaches Stony Brook's junior high girls basketball team. And and I asked him, I was like, you know, how much is the appeal there for Caitlin Clark sure. you know, with, with your girls? And he's like, yeah, to be honest with you, it's a lot of Aaliyah Boston yeah. right now for us. So, again, when you're in a market like this, and not only do you have the Tyrese Halliburton, you have the Anthony Richardson, but now for girls to have those two, and obviously it speaks for itself, the entertainment value. You know, Certainly Caitlin Clark, I think, plays a brand of basketball that fair or unfair the other sex really gravitates towards watching her and the ability, oh my gosh, she can shoot it from the volleyball line. And like, I mean, she does look like Steph Curry out there at times. Uh, what a time to be, certainly be living in this market. Again, a month and two weeks. That's uh, April 15th, I believe, is the WBA draft. I think I have that right. It's a Monday in April. Uh, I know we talked about this last week when Caitlin Clark played in Bloomington. Uh, the home opener for the Fevers, May 16th. Remember, oh. their schedule. What you do a remote down there? Bumps we, right yeah. up to the now, end. Are you allowed? Of the are you allowed season. on the the draft watch party? Is it men and women going to this draft party? Are you allowed? Oh no, I am home with Max. Okay, so you're not. So uh-huh. there's no boys allowed then. Well, I, okay, I, I, I like that. I don't know if that was mandated. Well, Max. On the invite there, but uh, it would probably be best for everyone's you know, sanity that Max well, Bowen is not there. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny. Um, ESPN Radio was talking about the very thing you were talking about. I don't know. You were walking over, so I'm sure you didn't get to get to hear it. But that's that's what they were talking about. Is the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana. The stars now that they have, and obviously Anthony Richardson still needs to prove. There is still the hope there uh, when you take a quarterback that high. uh, And we've seen, what, 15% of the season that he played last year. But you combine that with Tyrese Halliburton. You combine that uh, with what, uh, you know, is going to be cooking with the fever for the next few months, man. It's exciting. I mean, it's really exciting when you look at the core group of people uh, that you have here. So, 
That is huge, huge news, uh, and uh, that's just it's, it's been great quite news. the scene in it's, Iowa City on Sunday it, it, for her senior it re- day. It really is, and, and uh, she's fantastic. I think what you said. I think men look at women's basketball, and when she's shooting from the logo, I think that translates. I think that what you said right there is is one of the key things. So uh, we'll talk about that. Obviously, like uh, KB said, we had on near the end of the show about nine thirty, nine thirty-five yesterday. We had Colts general manager Chris. Ballard. Uh, if you have not heard that conversation or seen that conversation, it's been all over uh, our social media platforms. We'll have that coming up at about uh, 7.30 or so. We'll replay that. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., the franchise tag, building this team, the good and the bad. You ask him about, hey, listen, you're going into year eight. Um, <laughs> haven't been a lot of winning, right? Uh, how do we rectify that? Uh, some Jim Ursay stuff as well. So a uh, pretty good conversation, about 20, 25 minutes. We'll hear that at 730. And then for me, uh, yesterday, I, I, I'm just wondering, I'm picking your brain here, how much did you fall in love yesterday with any of the edge guys? Because yesterday was a big day if you want the Colts to take a defensive lineman. Uh, the Penn State guy, Chop Robinson was out there. As expected, uh, he J- kind of lit things up. Jared Verse, uh, the Florida State guy, lit things up uh, as well. We've talked about a guy like Darius Robinson from Missouri. All three of those guys are guys that we've talked about uh, that we would imagine, you know, some of those guys. Now, I don't know with Chop uh, and specifically Jared Verse, who looks so great. I mean, I love Jared Verse. If you told me he's the defensive lineman from Florida State, if he was there at 15, I I just think he checks every box. Again, I'd have no idea, uh, obviously, what Chris Ballard uh, is going to do. And then one thing I was going to ask you, even though he's technically a linebacker, but he's very much seen as an edge, Alabama's Dallas Turner. He's the guy for me. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so he's your guy. He turned heads yesterday, and, I mean, he looks like a beast. And he's probably more of the mold of the kind of guy you're looking at. Again, more of the pure edge guy. Um, You know, some people think – I think he actually worked out with the linebackers yesterday. So, you know, exactly positional fit. You know, that that sort of question with him. Um, But – and does he get to 15 is probably the other question with Dallas Turner. Is he the first edge guy that comes off the board? You know, does that guy go whatever, 8, 9, 10, something like that, a little bit earlier uh, than the Colts pick at 15. But, again, yesterday, defensive linemen, linebackers. Today you'll get tight ends. We'll see about Brock Bowers. He yep. was like, yeah, I'm going to show up to Lucas Oil tomorrow and see how I feel. And then I'll decide if I'm going to work out or not. I'm like, boy, that's uh, that's quite the thought there. It's like, yeah, I'm going to walk into Qdoba and, you know, see if I'm, <laughs> if I'm feeling a type of burrito here on this Friday morning Uh, and then we will hear from or defensive backs also will work out today so the corner group will get out on the field so it'll be a pretty deep draft class with that and then like we said quarterbacks and wideouts going to meet the media starting up here in about an hour so you're going to get a whole lot from a talking head standpoint on the other side of this curtain right here if you're looking on the YouTube stream Marvin Harrison Jr. 820 I jotted down I think Penix is a little bit later in the morning here. Um, yeah, so you're going to get Jaden Daniels, uh, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix at 8. You'll get Marvin Harrison Jr. at 8.20, Drake May, 8.40, Caleb Williams, 9 o'clock, and Michael Penix Jr. at 9.20. Again, for those that missed it, we will re-rack that Chris Ballard audio, uh, that interview coming up here at the bottom of the hour. 
Um, so that was, what, a little over 20 minutes with Ballard yesterday? Is that Yeah, is Mark that? can tell us, but I think it was, what, 22, 23 minutes yesterday. And by the way, it's working its way the, around the Internet. You, there, someone took a screenshot of you glaring at Ballard. Have you seen this? I have you're, not. No. Oh, you have? It's no. working its way out to find it on Twitter. Oh, gosh. Where you're, you're eyeing Chris Ballard. It looks, oh. like, it looks like you're glaring at the Colts general manager. You're eyeing him down over one of his answers. It, so interesting. I'll to, I'll I, I'd to have to think that. back on what that answer would be. I, I have my, no idea. Hope my I had better body language than that throughout the uh, throughout the entire interview. Um, I did appreciate Ballard's time yesterday. Um, I thought you know we, we we can get into some of the takeaways I guess on the other side. Here it is. It's Jeremiah from Wheatley what, uh, from what Ballard There's your said glare. There. There's your glare, oh, Ballard. I do look like I'm pouting you, over there. You in do the look like you're glaring uh-huh. at Chris Ballard. Like you, so we will re-rack that. You better draft Dallas Turner at 15. 7.30. Again, I'm Kevin Bowen, Devin on-site engineer, Andy Sweeney with us, Mark Dykton back in studio. Friday at the NFL Combine, it'll be a busy one. Quarterbacks, wideouts on the field tomorrow, workout-wise, after they meet the media today. Thank you for closing out the week with us. It is the Wake Up Call right here on 93.5107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm the fan. So during that break, Kevin Bowen said, you know what, I'm going to go look at the scene over there. We have quarterbacks, wide receivers. We're like 15, 20 minutes away uh, from Marvin Harrison Jr. speaking here at the Combine. KB and Andy live from the NFL Combine. Remember, you miss any of our conversation with Chris Ballard. That was yesterday uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. We just played it there. Check it out, 1075thefan.com, the podcast center, or the YouTube stream. We have Greg Rakestraw here coming up in just a second, but you said, Andy, I have an observation from the horde of media that has descended here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't Go know ahead. The accuracy of this birdie, but no, Ooh, a little birdie over there. It's like, well, Marvin Harrison Jr. might not be making the media rounds Ooh. here on this Friday morning. We know he's not working out. So um, he's just not going to do anything then. Well, he's been here. I mean, right. he, he's here. So I guess, I, I don't know, medical testing he did, if that. Um, so yeah, basically for those unfamiliar with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s original combine plan, it was to do nothing. And it sounds like do nothing at the pro day from a you know testing standpoint. You know, often, not, not oftentimes, but sometimes, Andy, you see guys don't necessarily do the testing here. Sure. But then do it at the pro but, day. But they always, like he would always do it at Ohio State. Right. But, you know, he is a big, hmm. I don't need to train for a track meet. I want to train for a football season. And, you know, to quote Chris Ballard from the other day, well, he's Marvin Harrison Jr. He can kind of get away with that. Um, so, yeah, right now, Jaden Daniels, I listened in on that for just a couple of minutes before I had to come back over here. He is speaking of the media. Caleb Williams coming up at 9 o'clock, Drake May a little bit later in this hour. So, uh, again, not earth-shattering by any news. Frankly, who really cares probably if Marvin Harrison Jr. speaks. But Someone will root against we'll Marvin Harrison Jr. not meeting with the media. Some media member will be unhappy. I, I can see his dad giving we'll him that <laughs> advice, given unhappy. how much his dad wanted to talk uh, to the media. That's here. the case. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors hotline. Boy, uh, going to be a busy weekend. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Greg, uh, good morning. I, I wanted to go back, uh, and if you have, I apologize, and maybe KB you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. You know, that, that fire alarm that went off there in Bloomington earlier this week, have you have you broadcast through anything like that in your career? And good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And I'll get to the fire alarm question in a moment. But you mean to tell me somebody named Marvin Harrison is elusive with the media? I've never lived through that before. Yeah. 
I was going to say, yeah, right? You could that probably is where, share that some, is where uh, the age difference between Kevin Bowen is, is wise beyond his years. But this is where our age difference in terms of years <laughs> covering the Colts do do show a factor because you maybe would get a couple of sound bites from Marvin on Friday uh, during the week, and he intentionally wasn't very good at it, so you wouldn't really ask him questions. You have to deal with it. Um, and so I'm not surprised he didn't want to talk to the media because he gets that genetically. And frankly, nobody should care. He's still the first player, not a quarterback, that's going to go in the NFL draft right. this year because he's that ridiculously good. As slippery as getting away from defensive backs, Marvin yeah, Harrison Jr. Absolutely. You go. Now, not, the media. not to be rude to Andy's question. Now I will ask that answer, answer your question. Um, yes, um, I was broadcasting a game – IUPUI actually won at Georgia Tech back in the days that I was traveling on the road doing the radio for the team. This is December of 2001, and it's amazing when you're the team that's getting a guarantee check to take a butt kicking and you're leading in the second half, how crazy things happen, like the power goes out in the building. It's remarkable, you know, how that works. Uh, and sure. so I didn't have to – he didn't have to evacuate or stop the broadcast. I do think that I had briefly lost transmission as, as – Things flickered, and then it quickly reconnected, and after a commercial break, came back on. Uh, but even when the lights came on, the Jaguars won that day. And I did check in with John Herrick yesterday and asked him, hey, do you guys have to clear the building as well? And he said no. In other words, they didn't have to. Hmm. There was not like right. a stop in the in the radio broadcast on Tuesday night. But uh, when you have done as many games as I have, Andy, something has happened at all times during one of those games. Uh- I'm sure. So, Rick, when we start, and again, Greg, Greg Strauss with us here. It's sectional weekend in the state of Indiana for the boys. And we've started our shows each of the last few days. Pretty much the first few people that walk into these doors, some order. It's Chris Sims, mm-hmm. it's Charlie Weiss, and it's Solomon Wilcox. Those are the big three that, that, that make the early appearances. So, let's just say, uh, let's go with Coach Weiss. <laughs> let's say Coach Weiss comes up to me and says, young lad, I've always had a craving for Indiana high school basketball, never made it to Penn or Mishawaka Marion or wherever back in the day. Give me the sectional spot that I need to go to tonight to watch some ball and get a dog and popcorn. Where are you pushing him towards? I, I think I have an inkling on where you're going to say. Where, where are you pushing him towards tonight around the state? My game is Lawrence North. Uh, that's my doubleheader, uh, which is fantastic. That's number five, seven, and eleven. And the second game is a rematch. They're both rematches from last year's semifinals because the draw was the absolute same, and so far the results have been the absolute same at Lawrence North. What it was at Warren Central, and the second game is a rematch of a one-point game that faces the city champion against the county champion. All right, but you're probably going to end up going to either watching my game at Lawrence North or being with me at Lawrence. North, because if you don't have a ticket to Noblesville, you can't get in, because they're sold out already. And that's numbers one, two, three in the state, and Hamilton Southeastern, which is a pretty good basketball team as well. So, normally, I would encourage you you to go to Noblesville, but they are completely sold out. And since Charlie Weiss was kind of a jerk to me, the one interaction I ever had with him, I would encourage him to go to Noblesville, and I wouldn't tell him they were sold out. I would just say, go to Noblesville. 
Well, I imagine Charlie would be able to get in, right? He'd be able to name drop. Uh, who knows? Uh, name drop? Hey, come you, on. Do you remember Charlie's record when he was head coach at, at Notre Dame, Andy? No, I, I think they would say, uh, you turn around, sir. You I remember go, roughly what it was. I'm sure I'm sure Kevin Bowen remembers exactly. By the way, KB, are you watching golf right now? No, you got a multitask here. Is there golf on your screen? Who's playing right now? Of course. Of course. You got is some... that the PGA or is that Live? Is yeah, that the Live 2 or I what did, is that? I did see Anthony Kim shot six over today. And his did he really? Live Reday. He got to wear shorts while he was doing it, at least. Rick, I, I, I do want to go back to the Noblesville sectional in, in a second, uh, or I, I guess right now. You said one, two, three in the state, and those teams – uh, if you know, Fishers, Noblesville, Westfield, I mean, these are not teams that, you know, certainly in the last like five to 10 years, maybe even longer, we're used to them being kind of, you know, up there perennial powers in the state. It's pretty impressive to see, you know, those schools up there after, you know, probably some, some definitely quieter years. I'm probably thinking a little bit more of Noblesville recently uh, and, and, you know, certainly Westfield prior to Braden Smith's arrival. So to that point, Westfield had never won a boys' basketball sectional until two years ago. Uh, they were one of three schools uh, that at one point in time had gone 100 years of playing in the NCAA, or in the, NCAA the IHSA tournament and having not won a boys' basketball sectional. In the last handful of years, Crothersville and Westfield have both ended those streaks. Shoals is the last member of the Century Club that have played in over 100 tournaments and, and never won a boys' basketball sectional. Last year, Noblesville won for the first time in 13 years. They won in 2010. They won last year. Fishers has not won one since they reopened as a high school in 2006-2007. So, and the biggest part of that has been simply Carmel has been so dominant. You know, Carmel had won seven consecutive sectionals up until two years ago. They've now gone three years uh, with getting beat on Tuesday night uh, without having won a sectional championship. Hamilton Southeastern won it in 2014. Carmel had won the a couple of years before that. So, you know, Carmel had won 9 out of 10. They didn't exactly leave many for anybody else. So you're right. While these three teams have been atop the polls virtually the entirety of the season, historically in March, until the last couple of years, it has not been their domain. It obviously will be this time around. Greg Regstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, Greg, the uh, bunch of games tonight, obviously, and we'll get to your games here uh, in a second. But you know, a lot of uh, a lot of games earlier in the week, Tuesday as well. Anything from earlier in the week stand out? Whether it be locally, right around Indianapolis, or out in the state, anything stand out to you? Any surprises? You know, the, the, the only local surprise, and I put this as a mild surprise just because they were around the 500 team, was Ron Colley getting beat by Franklin Central. You know, Franklin Central is now the only uh, Marion County school that's in the Fishers-Noblesville-Westfield League in, in terms of the Hoosier Crossroads Conference. And and because of that and playing a stronger schedule, like, all right, they're a better record, better team than the record indicate. Uh, they've got a talented young sophomore, E.J. Hazelwood, who's 6'7". They made a run to get to the Marion County final. I know they beat Ben Davis and Warren Central in back-to-back games. You're like, all right, you know, look for Franklin Central here, and Ron Colley got him on the opening night of the tournament. The other site to talk about, which is a crazy local, not too far away, about an hour from now, or about an hour away, I should say, Mississippi in 3A, which I think is sectional 23. It's a seven-team sectional. They've played three games so far, and all three games have been buzzer beaters. Involving completely different teams. But Tuesday and both games Wednesday, all of them ended (laughs) at the horn with a buzzer beater. 
Wow, we need someone to mash up the highlights of this. Can I get video of this, Rake? I've actually played in Mississippi. Uh, look look, look up the IHSAA TV account on Twitter and Facebook. They have put them together already. But they, that, that's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And again, that was a very balanced sectional going into it. Uh, so, uh, so expect more madness tonight and tomorrow uh, up at the home of the Indians. That is awesome. Greg Rakestraw is with us here. Again, it is sectional weekend for the boys, and we are live at the convention center here uh, for the Combine. Indiana State coming up uh, this weekend, right closing out the regular season. Let's play out the hypothetical. They get to the March, uh, Arch Madness final. Let's say they lose on a buzzer beater, and let's say it's Drake. Percentage of chance they would get into the tournament. I know Josh Schertz uh, certainly made a case for it with JMV uh, earlier this week. You know, I think if, if they beat Murray State, and we'll talk more about that game in a second, and they win their first two games, I think they're in. I, I, I know they had a setback with, with losing really? Illinois State and, and at Southern Illinois. I think if they win their next three, and again, they it's the, the, the final is not a terrible loss. I think, again, the bubble is frankly weak enough this year where they have a chance to get in. They don't want to run that risk. They want to w- win their next four games and have to sweat it out for a week whether they're going to make it in or not. But I think in that scenario, if they can win the next three, and if it's, say, Drake or Bradley waiting for them, where it's the other higher-rated teams in the Valley, I think Indiana State could be able to sustain that. I think they'd be going to Dayton to play in, in, in the first four games, but I do think they would have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I hope that's not the case. Now, Josh Schertz was saying to JMV how uh, Robbie Avila didn't Avila. play against, maybe it was Bama, Avila didn't play against, I think it was Bama earlier this year in that loss. He brought up Jaden Kent, didn't play in a couple of their Missouri Valley losses. I know the committee tries to look into that stuff. To me, it seems a tad complicated if you really start to get into, wait, who did you have, who did they have across a 30-game schedule? How much do you think that really matters? Like, how much do you think the committee is really paying attention to availability reports for all you know thirty games throughout you know all these bubble teams? If if I am the head coach, and I know the committee does a lot of their work here in Indianapolis, and I have a chance to be on Indianapolis radio and make my case for that, I'm doing the exact same thing that John Shirts is doing. You damn right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not I sure. I'm not sure. Question. I'm not sure how much they'll listen, but I, I would be politicking in the exact same fashion. It is very much and um, a very explanatory, mitigating circumstance. I get it. I understand it. I do think there would be some consideration to it, but I understand the groundwork that Josh is trying to put down there. Uh, by the way, Greg, uh, I, I tagged you, uh, KB, I tagged you as well. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it right now. Boy, I just watched the first buzzer beater. That was a deep Dude. one here by Belmont. So they were down one, they were down two, and they were tied. So they, they had a buzzer they had a buzzer beater, down one, down two, and, and then tied in three straight games. That's unbelievable. The pump fake on the second one's tremendous. Mark, will you retweet this from our show accounts so our listeners can see this? While Mark is handling social media, I want to go back to Indiana State for a second. It has nothing to do with the actual quality of the play. Um, if I road trip to that game on Sunday with JMV, KB, do you feel I'm cheating on you in any sort of way? Mm. Oh, no, mm. no, no, because I was your first. 
<laughs> so John and I are going to go to Paradise on uh, on Sunday mm-hmm. and hopefully oh, yeah. watch Indiana State wrap up their first sole possession Missouri Valley Conference championship in 24 years. Well, who's the big man on campus there? That's JMV, right? Is he right. the big I man mean, on I, campus? I have, I have been around Terre Haute a little bit, and I have some working yeah. knowledge of the ISU campus, but he's BMOC, no doubt. I mean, yeah. my goodness, yeah, he was BMOC. the social director of the Wabash Valley in the early 90s. People stopped cruising the bash to go to John's house parties <laughs> unless you were part of the Pike fraternity. They weren't invited. Everybody else, though, got to go. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much his wingman if we're going to Terre Haute. So maybe the cleanliness of our visits on the trip might be different if you stop at the house that JMV lived in back in Terre Haute. Uh, back it's rather remarkable day. that 30 years later it's still standing, Kevin, to be frank. It, it really is. That, is. that is honestly one of the greatest he, achievements in mankind. He said he just wanted the if the toilet flushed, he was good to go. So it's a very low Spoken standard. Spoken like a very true yes. college kid right there. Rake, have a beautiful call tonight. Sectional 10 for Greg Rakestraw at Lawrence North. Thank you for the time, my man. When you see Chris Sims walking around, ask how his dinner at Spoken Steel was last night. He literally walked in as I was Ooh. exiting uh, after a very lovely dinner downtown last night. Okay. Spoken Steel, quite the ambiance over there. I, I, I will make sure to do that. Thank you, Rake. Top-notch old fashions, by the way, at Spoken Steel. Yes, Just I, word I was. had an old-fashioned at Spoken Steel. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, so we're back at it. KB and Andy, wake-up call. We're on the fan. One more hour to go. Appreciate everyone having us here uh, out at the NFL Combine. I don't believe JMB is going to be out here. Query and company coming your way uh, at noon. KB is back now. I don't know if he was able, Mark. Uh, did, did, you get, did you get the picture of Caleb Williams uh, to send say, to him? D- don't come back. If you didn't get it, don't come back. Yeah, oh, I got it. To Trust hell with me. you. I, I, I knew I was up against it, and I knew I was probably going to be about a <laughs> 30 seconds or a minute oh, late. You're but, fine. You're fine. Um, was it, as big, was it as big of a madhouse as it appears to be from the pictures i'm seeing you already know it was so mark go ahead and check out my my twitter i did a three picture tweet okay let's uh, see starting with Jaden daniels from earlier this morning drake may from a little bit later and then last mark's guy caleb williams and it looks like a little smile for caleb oh good at the podium here as currently that circus is happening on the other side of the I swear to you. It's beautiful, Kevin. Well done. Good job. Yes, you go to KB's account, but anyone who follows the combine, and I don't mean this to denounce the combine, but if you're one of those media gas bags, like you're not getting a question to Caleb, and you can't hear him. Well, that was me last year with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. But, I mean, you have to camp out. Did you you camp out? Because if not, you're not going to get a question. And if you're five feet away – 
they don't have the speakers loud because the guys are all sitting next to each other. So you can't hear anything. And then you can't hear any of the actual questions that are there. I did find it interesting. Caleb Williams didn't go through the medicals at the combine. So you have Marvin Harrison, who's not working out, who's not doing anything at the combine, not even meeting with the media. Uh, he was supposed to meet with the media about 40, 45 minutes ago. He didn't do that. And then you have Caleb Williams, uh, who obviously isn't throwing, isn't working out. He also is like, peace, I'm not doing the medical stuff uh, as well. Mark, I think your pivot needs to be, you want the Bears to take Jaden Daniels. That is that it? That's what Dan Orlovsky yeah. said. That is what uh, Orlovsky said. Now, Ryan Pohl said earlier in the week, Bears GM, Mark, that they want to – if they're going to trade Justin Fields, they will do it before the start of free agency. Uh Was that what he – I mean, that's what what I've been saying too, that you want to have as many suitors as possible to try to up the value and everything like that. So before guys like Kirk Cousins or maybe Russell Wilson gets released in Denver, you know, you you want to have as many options as possible. So I I could totally see that the move this year is to move Justin Fields and uh, see what you can get from him and everything like that. So I've already seen the Falcons are heavy, heavy favorites mm-hmm. to land him at like minus 425. Is, I put a value play on the Steelers. We'll see if that happens. But Ooh, it, a value play. It, it, seems like like, it seems like that move is going to happen sooner than later, and I would fully expect it to happen before free agency opens. Uh, Caleb Williams, and again, this is from people in the scrum over there. The Bears were seven and ten, were seven and ten last year, and that's pretty good for a team with the number one pick. A really good defense. It's pretty exciting if you can go to a situation like that. So, I, I need to give Caleb Mark Williams credit. not shine away no. from any Bears-related questions. I need to give I need to give uh, Mark credit. I did see the Eberflus beard. It's pretty uh, glorious. He's right. It is. It, oh, okay. It, well, I'll, I'll take your guys' word for it. You didn't see the Eberflus beard? I mean, you've been out here for three days, KB. You haven't seen the Eberflus beard? Maybe I just have what no comment doing? on the beard. <laughs> well, I mean, he looks like he we, got a, a full makeover. Like, he's he's svelte. He's got a beard now. His hair's yep. a little different. He, he got a makeover. I think his wife and daughters were like, you've been in the, in the office too long this season. You need to... Get some pampering done. Well, see, that that's the thing. That's the thing. In the offseason, they could actually live like human beings. During the football season, they're miserable people. Did you think Chris Boward was a tad terse yesterday? I know you haven't had like a uh, ton of Ballard interactions, but uh, what, what did you make of well, that was, interaction? I was over here playing good cop, so I don't know. Uh, I'm kidding. I, 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 here's what I think. I think Ballard is a competition maniac like these guys are. And and he knows that he's going into year eight and hasn't won anything, right? I mean, we talk about that. Doesn't win the division, has won a playoff game, was so close this year. And and, and I think it I think it has to weigh on him. Does it not? I That's this, my view of it. Uh, I could be a little bit premature with this. I think the seat's a little warmer than people think. Okay. Uh, And I think he he feels feels that. that. And, again, a lot of people could be in the car right now and be like, well, no bleep or about time, all of that. But, you know, I I think there was an assumption that, you know, once all of a sudden it got reset with Steichen, got reset with Anthony Richardson, that, boom, he'd be – smooth sailing for multiple years. That's how I viewed it. Yeah, I honestly think. And and last year, again, it was much better than obviously people thought it would be. And even, you know, I was more optimistic than most with seven wins, and they still won more than that. Um, I think 
I think the seat's just a tad warmer than, again, maybe a lot of people believe heading into the season. And maybe that's where some of it mm. comes from. By no means I think he was, like, standoffish or, you know. Mm. Certainly there are questions I knew he probably wouldn't entertain. And there are others I thought he really did entertain. Uh, I just got the vibe that, you know, he's a guy that understandably – is feeling a bit heading into year eight, as you know he should. To be frank, when you look at the look at the resume, I did this exercise a few weeks ago. I won't, you know, maybe I'll save the info for a future show. But you know, Andy, if you look at the GMs hired right around Ballard that are still around, you know, the John Lynches of the world, the Brandon Beans in Buffalo, uh, Brian Gutenkunst with the with the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of Chris Greer in Miami. Um, I know there's some others that I'm that I'm forgetting. Brett Veach, of course, with Kansas City. I mean, if you look at their resumes, it, it's it's insane how much more success they have had than Ballard. And so, you know, when you just simply look at the the the, the facts, the the numbers of that, how would you not feel some of that heading into this 2024 season? Yeah, it, it can't always be. Well, this happened or that happened, and that's why you know we didn't win the AFC South. That is why you know we didn't make the playoffs. I, I think something as well that weighs on Ballard. You know, we talked so much about. Uh, we were talking with uh, with Matt Taylor about this yesterday, KB, and that is, you know, 365 days ago, this was a much different discussion around the Colts. They were bad and they were boring, right? Uh, now, if you fast forward that a year, you feel like they have some young players. You feel like you bring back a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. You feel like, hey, we got a quarterback who is not bad and boring, who is very explosive, who is a dynamic player, who can, you know, lead this franchise and be the face. They have a coach who I think is uh, very well respected, who is very well liked. I think you got to feel that the uptick on Shane Steichen is going to be good, but you have to look also around you. The AFC South isn't a pullover or isn't a pushover anymore. You know, while he has been the GM, you have now seen perhaps Jacksonville, you know, listen, I know Jacksonville, I, I was not in love with the Jags last year, um, but, you know, I mean, they, they made the postseason going into last year. They were a darling uh, to go deep in the AFC picture in the playoffs. So if you feel like they're a playoff team and the Houston Texans, I mean, the Houston Texans, what potentially they might be, you know, if you're Jim Ursay and you're the Colts, you're like, well, wait a minute. You know, they, they've been terrible. They've been they, they picked before us. Uh, last year, how, how are they able to go into the postseason, come into your building at the end, win the game that matters, win the AFC South, and then go blow out uh, the Cleveland Browns, a team you lost to earlier in the year? I, I think the ascension of C.J. Stroud in the Houston Texans is something else that is on the plate and has to be on the mind of uh, of Chris Ballard. Do you not? I mean, you're looking at a team. They're the darlings of the AFC right now. They're one of them. It's them. It's the Houston Texans. Mark, can you play that uh, clip? Uh, this is Ballard yesterday. And again, you know, asked about the lack of success. And I think the answer that he gave is certainly a 180 from – the answer that we often go back to, and that's the opening press conference answer on it's not about one guy. You hear the answer yesterday, certainly mm-hmm. sounds different than that. Like either you get it done or you don't. I'm not going to sit here and ever – the easy thing would be to make an excuse. And look, at the end of the day, 
not getting the quarterback position right has hampered it. And that falls on me. I don't fall on anybody else but, but me. And it's something that, you know, you – you learn and you grow from. Uh, I think we've done good with Anthony. Now I think time will play out. Play out. Um, but my failures in that space and with a with a position that's so important, um, you have to get that right. You have to have a guy that that can that can actually you know lead you and make plays in critical moments. Um, that's the great separator in our league. I think you see it every year in the playoffs. I think you see it with teams that really excel and go forward. They have a guy at that position that, you know, when the game's on the line or when there's there's real leverage points in the game where you need to make a play, he makes a play. Getting a much hmm. different tone from that opening presser of it's not about one guy back in January of 2017. Um, I would add in the follow-up I had to him, Andy, is it was obviously what about you know premium positions as a whole, not mm-hmm. just quarterback. You know, right. you think about wideout, you think about left tackle, you think about corner, D end. Again, him and I would differ a little bit on that, um, but I did think that was a pretty real answer from Ballard. Something that he hasn't necessarily gone all there about quarterback before. And you know, I remember sitting in this very room, you know, five years ago when the Colts had their first combine without Andrew Luck and they sat there with the 13th overall pick and you know what what would they do how would you handle quarterback now moving forward and whether it's passing on Jordan Love passing on Jalen Hurts electing to trade for Carson Wentz not being serious entertainers of Matthew Stafford Mm -hmm. in that trade situation you know opting for Matt Ryan I mean you know all of those short-term band-aid answers that didn't work out that's obviously why you know you are in the position that you are now of having to reset things and and, and now again you're on the right path in, in my opinion unquestionably but it took a long time to get there post luck retirement yeah I, I I would say the one thing I'm critical that I would be critical of here and, and this is not this is more I guess of an Ursay thing is I, I I guess I have a little bit of trouble sitting here and putting Ballard on a hot seat, not because I'm sucking up to Ballard, but you just let him pick your new head coach and quarterback, <laughs> right? Like, doesn't it feel like if 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 there was that, you know, frustration that was there, I'm not sure. And, again, you can always replace the coach. You can always draft Man, or you know get how, another you know quarterback. You NFL business goes. I, I, I understand, but you just let him do it. Right. I so, mean, you know, what gives? And then how the hell did Mike Vrabel get – get fired like I just stuff happens that don't necessarily add up to how I think business 101 should be run in the NFL I mean to me I I think you tie GMs and head coaches at the hip Mm -hmm. I think that helps solve a lot of the complications of you know people throwing other guys under the bus or just the awkward nature of wait a minute who made that call you know wait wait Steichen uh, is he under a new GM is Mm -hmm. he not you know those things just can get a little bit murky with all of that, but you know, certainly for the first time, and you know, I, I we said this before he uh, popped on with us yesterday, Andy. I mean, it's year eight of him as GM. Yesterday, for the first time in year three, we didn't ask or need feel the need to ask tons and tons of quarterback right. related questions, right. and that is a huge, huge, huge thing for this franchise moving forward, and it should give fans certainly. 
uh, you know, just a, just a piece almost, that now there is some real, real hope at that position. Certainly, a lot of things still need to be checked on the Anthony Richardson box, but there's, a, there's actually some real hope of long, long-term success. You know, this is me from the outside, and, and you obviously following the team much, much closer uh, the last several years. I understood the Phillip Rivers move, right? I understood it. I'm not saying, uh, you know, know, being a Giants fan, they were dealing with the end of Eli Manning, and they just kept giving Eli Manning opportunity after opportunity. And Phillip Rivers had more in the tank at that point uh, than Eli did. And so I understood the Phillip Rivers conversation. It was right there, again, the postseason, right there uh, on the cusp and everything. The ones that I – and this is not revisionist history, okay? Uh, I, I never understood the Carson Wentz and the Matt Ryan stuff. Those are those were two that I never understood from afar what you were going. I was never a Carson Wentz fan. Okay, I understood he had the one good year uh, in Philly, so I didn't understand thinking that he was going to resurrect anything. And then I just thought Matt Ryan was about done, right? I thought Matt Ryan had very, very left in the tank, and obviously he did. And and those are the two things uh, that that set a franchise back when you don't when. When you're going year to year with a quarterback, there's nothing behind him that's coming up through the grapevine, uh, if you will, and you hope that you have that with Anthony Richardson. You really we have, have Matt Ryan. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. That sums up that entire era. Um, I did want to share what I thought was my favorite Ballard comment okay. from yesterday, and it was kind of late in an answer uh, on Anthony Richardson because if you go back to – you know, about a month and a half ago, hell, it's almost two months now, and talking about the need to get more explosive this offseason, I wanted to ask, you know, Chris, that question of, okay, when you say that, certainly Anthony Richardson brings an element of that big time, much different than Gardner Minshew. Is that it? Is there more that you need to do outside of your building on that? And, and you got to listen closely here. Okay. But again, his description on the type of weapon he would like to add fits exactly what I'm thinking. Well, unequivocally, I think the, the quarterback's going to help. I think it showed when he was when he was in the game. Um, you know, his. I mean, like, I thought one of the really cool, and it sucks that we didn't finish it out, but the but the Ram game. I thought, like in the second half, I you know you we play like crap in the first half, and and credit to the Rams. I mean, they kicked us. I mean, excuse me, they kicked the crap Mark, out dump, of us. Dump that, Mark. Yeah, please, thank yeah you. scratch that one out. They they kicked the crap out of us in the first half, but the explosives that he was able to create in the second half was really fun to watch. But when you have, like, that's the one thing about like Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan can turn a a one, two-yard run into a 40, 50-yard run. Having, you know, making sure we we add another element to the offense that's really good after the catch that can create the play that's not not there. Getting right there. Mm-hmm. That yards after catch element. You know, it's certainly something I've said to you now for several oh, weeks. Oh, you've, you've harped on it. That's yeah. the type of ingredient that I think think you need it helps alleviate pressure off of your quarterback off of your offense in general of okay here is a guy just singly singularly as an individual player you give him the football in a very high percentage situation you know screen simple pass jet sweep you know whatever that is and then he goes and makes the play with that that can be absolutely huge it's why when we've had Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah with us this week I've asked them specifically who are the yards after catch guys in this class so that's 
me was one of the most encouraging things I heard from Ballard. So you, you think Ballard followed? You think Ballard ahead, Mark, referencing sorry. that Rams game, uh, Puka Nakua might have might have stuck him in his craw a little bit. That that guy torched them. Gosh, he, God, did, he was just he? great, wasn't he? Uh, How about that play? In so, so if you went and you haven't followed Malachi Corley, he's the Western Kentucky guy who's I, the I, yak king. Yeah, I, you I, have I, not. I've done some Corley homework there. You've done and, some Corley and, homework. And there okay. are some Debo Samuel elements okay. uh, to to him. So, yes, that, is a, that okay. is a player that I am very intrigued by. A Dallas Turner at 15, Malachi Corley at 40, what are they, 47, 46, something like that in the second round. I would be a very happy individual. You and I agree. We're both of us are edge round one, wide receiver round two. Do we both feel that way? That's how I feel. Yeah, if I'm gonna go probably off of positions, you know, I, I I'm not going to rip anything from a pass catching standpoint in round one. I mean, I, I I no, that's that would not be a path that I would go down. But what if they went um, wide receiver? Yeah, I, I mean, mean Brian Thomas, the LSU kid. Because at the end of the day, Andy, the overall theme of the offseason has got to be supporting Anthony Richardson atop the list. I mean that, and I I just can't get mad at moves that directly support him in a significant manner. Um, now I think pass rusher means so much in the NFL that I put it right up there. And again, the reason why I say that over pass catcher in round one is the scarcity of the position and just the lack of depth that that position has compared to wide receiver. Uh, but I would not, no, I, I I would not totally just, you know, sit here on whatever Friday morning, right. April 26, if they take a wide out at 15 and be like, yeah, it's the dumbest thing in the world, <laughs> rely on the depth, blah, blah, blah. No, if it's supporting your franchise quarterback, hell yeah.